0: Who's winning the night game? 5-2, LSU. LSU.
1: Bottom... Going to bottom eight, I think.
0: Did Skeens throw?
1: Oh, he's throwing. He'll throw tomorrow.
0: Oh, so they ha- he hasn't thrown tonight.
1: The no, they, they they said it'll be him versus uh, Louder for White Wake. So, you got a pitcher that's not lost all year going up against Paul Skeens.
0: Jeez, what a matchup. To get
1: to the, to get to the championship... When you just use your two aces,
0: yeah, and neither so one of them you
1: can't use them for the championship because they won't yeah. be ready.
2: Yeah, they won't be available. That's pretty ballsy not using skeins tonight.
1: They use some
0: could they could they get what if they got to Monday they could throw because that'd be four days rest.
1: Yeah, but they're used to like seven. They used true. to yeah. the
0: well, They're going to have to get over really that if they, they want to play pro ball.
1: <laughs> I mean, if they get it, he'll he'll pitch if they get to Monday if they need him. He's gonna break the strikeout record if he that they get it tomorrow.
2: What's LSU's uh? What's LSU's coach's name again? What's his name? Jay
0: Johnson. He came from Arizona.
2: He's gonna, he's gonna make damn Skeens' arm fall off. Some bitch throws 125 pitches every time he goes out there.
0: He
1: didn't throw 156 like Quinn Matthews from Stanford.
2: I think that came back to body. That came uh,
1: back, yeah. That came back to bottom a little bit. You remember when uh, Johan Santana pitched that complete game, like perfect – it was a no-hitter against the yes. Cardinals.
2: with like yes.
1: 150 pitches. Yeah. Never the same again.
2: No. You're right, he wasn't. No, yeah. I, I remember that. I, I, I watched that live, or at least it cut to it on like MLB Network or or ESPN or something. I, I, remember. I don't think
1: it was a perfect game. Was it a perfect game or was it a no-hitter?
2: It was a perfect game. I think that's why they did it, because I forgot who was the Mets manager at the time. But he was like, "Yeah, he's like it's no hitter. I'd have probably pulled him. Like it was, it was just like a weird ass quote. Like, yeah. But.
0: that's the thing. Like, how do you, how do you pull some of these guys when they either have a no hitter or a perfect they game? now
1: in the sixth inning with ninety five pitches and they got no hitter. I'm like,
0: that's crazy. That's oh. I'm trying to remember. There was a game in high school. I'd have to pull it up. I've got it here somewhere." But I think the most pitches I threw was, like, 95 in a game, and that was seven innings um, because we only we only played seven. But I just – I never felt tired or anything. I could have thrown a lot more than that probably, but –
2: How would you feel the next day?
0: Oh, I, I was sore for a few days. i yeah. tell you, I don't – I think I said it on here um, last week when we were talking about yeah, the alumni yeah. game. I threw one inning – and I couldn't move the next day. Of course, I haven't pitched in five years. So, how, how was that accuracy? Of... Were you oh, painting the corners? Were yeah, I, I, I struck one out, gave up one hit, one walk, one run. But I got that was all I gave up
2: in one inning. So, got three outs. Who'd you strike out is the question. I want to hear that. Do you remember?
0: I don't remember. I know I had. I had Spencer Wise on the ropes and he fouled off like seven pitches.
2: Um, was it a young guy or? It
0: was, I think it was Brent Hoskins. Hmm. I think.
2: I don't know if I know him.
0: And Brent was a senior when I was a sophomore. So his junior year is okay. when they went to the state tournament down in Chattanooga. But I'm pretty sure, I think it was him. I can't remember. I could be wrong on that. So. I don't think Brent listens to this. So I don't think I have to worry about any defamation lawsuits coming from Hoskins. But I did strike one out, which I, I'm not a strikeout pitcher. I put the ball in play. But uh, Kip Sawyer got a hit off of me. Um, one run scored. But then, um, oh gosh, a tally, a little tally, like, yeah, like, little you know. tally a relay to. Um, God, I can't remember who was playing short and they threw the next runner out at home. So great defensive work. Um, so speaking of baseball, this is a big show because Tennessee has been eliminated from Omaha, unfortunately <clears throat> good showing, just not good enough, but, uh, we've got a lot to get into on that. um, There's some basketball schedule news that came out today, some football recruiting news that came out today. Um, So, just a loaded episode, Harbin.
2: Absolutely. Loaded potato.
0: So, we're recording a little later tonight, and you made us late. What what was going on overnight tonight?
2: Uh, You know, just doing some cowboy shit. I was over at Brett Stanton's house. Um, Special shout-out, today's Bobby Stanton's birthday. Uh, There's a 0% chance he will hear this, but – Happy birthday, Bobby. Maybe,
0: um, uh, maybe Brett or Landry will play it for him.
2: They might. They might. Uh, I also doubt that because Landry, not so much, but Brett's chicken shit, but that's okay. Oh, God, good grief. No, it is. I mean, it is what it is. I am too. Um, what? but yeah, he, uh, uh, the storms we had last weekend, uh, had some trees fall and, you know, just helping people, helping people. Uh, went over there. And it was, doing a little bit of work um couldn't go over there the last few days cuz of the weather but got a good little, got got a good little amount done while he was having a good little barbecue over at Bobby and Emily's house so tried to knock it tried to knock as much out while it was still dry
0: well i mean uh, we'll give you a we'll give you a medallion or a trophy for uh for helping Brett out that's uh, that's a great great thing you've done tonight, helping Brett I appreciate you, it, sir.
2: Thank you, sir. I don't do it for the accolades. I know you don't, right. but we're going to give them to you. Well, thank you. I, I'll thank gladly accept. Um. So I heard this wild
0: story yesterday. I don't know if you've heard this, Harbin. Um. Uh. I got. I was. I was at work. I was talking to somebody at work and uh, heard my phone ring in my office. And I was like, oh, "It's my personal phone." I was like, "Well, I'll I'll go in there and see who it is." By the time I got in there. It had stopped ringing. It was Tyler Julian, Gavin's dad, uh, who got. I, and then Undy calls me, like immediately, and I'm like, "Oh God, is something wrong with Gavin? Is he? Have they found Gavin? Is he still? Have they got him off the milk carton yet?" So I answered the phone call because I didn't know. I was like, "Why is Undy calling me right after Tyler?" And Undy's like horse laughing when he when he, when I answer the phone. He said, "Niece, you're never gonna believe who set up shop." Here next to us at the beach. And I said, I give up. I don't know who it is. Um, former Tennessee basketball coach Conzo Martin. Conzo literally, and I'll I've got the picture, I'll put it on the video. Him and his wife, I think his family was there too. Set literally set right up next to the Underwoods, the Julians, and Conzo Martin's biggest fan. The Grubs. They were known lovers of Konzo Martin, his offensive style. Um, I asked Grub if he had a sledgehammer to take down there to him to get him to sign it. And I told Tyler and Undy to put on a weighted vest and start taking charges. Cause that's what that's that's what Conzo Martin does, tougher breed. But uh I it, this was pretty early on Tuesday morning, they called me. Uh well not early, early,
2: but um, I would, I'd love to be a fly on the wall to see Chad Grubb's reaction. So to appar-
0: apparently mm-hmm. yeah, Grubb wasn't down there when they first saw him. And so I text, I text uh, Grubb and said, tougher breed and sent him this picture of a poster. I've got tougher breed Tennessee basketball poster. And then uh, Grubb finally gets down there and sees him. And he's like, you've got to be kidding me. They ended up having to help him because a storm or something was coming and he was trying to get his tent down. So they went over and helped him and, uh, of course, they had some Tennessee gear on, and he didn't really say a whole lot, but he did thank him, and they kind of struck up a conversation. But I was like, Grub's going to be a Conzo fan now, but he can't—he
2: can't hurt us anymore. He's gone. So, do you think Conzo changed his tone about Tennessee fans after after these good Strawberry Plains families helped him out during the storm?
0: Well, I sure hope so. I mean, according to some, we were. We didn't want him here because we're racist, but a bunch of white guys from Straw Plains helping him take his tent down. Got to love it. There you go. I never hated Konzo Martin. I just didn't – they underachieved while he was here, and I just – I didn't like his style of basketball. It's just – it's too Big Ten for me. I just don't like it. And some would say that Barnes style is a little like that, but Barnes style is more pro – style offense. That Big Ten style is more beating and banging. And I mean, you can say Barnes does have aspects of that Big Ten game in his style, but um we also have had good offenses here in the past.
2: Yeah. Um uh, also, since we're nice people on the show, give Conzo a little bit of credit. You know, we had some seasons where it didn't look like we was gonna do anything and then all of a sudden boom, we was in the sweet sixteen. So there's my one nice comment about Conzo Martin.
0: <laughs> but that's the thing, though, that I always held against him was, yeah, he he for one year they did that, but it took a hot streak at the end of the year to even get that. I mean, they really there was an argument they shouldn't even been in a <clears throat> tournament that year, and they got in as a as an 11 seed and had to go to Dayton and play in one of those first four games, and came from behind and beat Iowa, and then played um who was it right out of the gate was it uh mercer or umass
2: and then mercer upset duke duke and then Uh we
0: just routed mercer in the second i mean it was i mean we had control of that game and probably i think we had control of the umass game too it was like a totally different team jordan mccray um, George, Josh Richardson That was Josh Richardson's
2: coming out party wasn't it?
0: I mean they played they were they were awesome in that little stretch of basketball there. They actually made a little bit of a run in the SEC tournament I think that year too
2: Was was that the year we got screwed against Michigan?
0: Yeah we played down in um, was that in the Alamo Dome? I can't remember where it was but it was in the Sweet 16 and they beat us there late at the end
1: All I remember the yeah. bowling when you go to the Hooters and they yeah. didn't turn the game on. I had to show them that it was on to turn the channel.
0: Yeah, we went to Hooters there on Merchants Drive to watch that game. There were several of us there, if I remember correctly. And they did not have the game on at the start. We had to go tell them, we're all wearing Tennessee gear, and they did not have the Tennessee game on. I don't know what they were doing.
1: They thought it was on a different channel. and I'm like, no, I'm watching it right
2: now.
0: I don't think I've been back to that Hooters since, to be honest. I really don't.
2: Couldn't tell you the last time I was there either.
0: We went to it was a year or so ago we went to the Hooters out on Kingston Pike and it was not good. Which is sad. Used to be the place to go, Harbin. Sad and
2: unfair. It's how things your, go. Did
0: your dad ever take you there when you were a little little Harbin?
2: Yeah, a couple times. A Couple times. Um obviously fond memories for a seven to ten year old. I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's character building. Character building. Mm-hmm.
0: well um let's talk Tennessee baseball that's what everybody's here for we've talked about Conzo Martin tougher breed but uh Tennessee baseball lost yesterday to LSU five to nothing ends their ends their season um I kind of argued back and forth last night with Big Montana that uh he said we finished fifth. I don't know how you really say that because we lost in the same round as Oral Roberts. And he said, well, they, we lost after them, but I don't know. Fifth, fourth, fourth, who cares? We didn't win. So, but uh, we were one of the last six teams standing in Omaha, which is nothing to hang your heads about. Especially I was telling my uncle last night, I was like, if you'd have told me that Tennessee – would lose to LSU – we would be playing on Tuesday night in Omaha when we were 5-10 and 10 in the SEC. I would have laughed at you. I would have LOL'd out loud, Thomas. I mean, it was – I just did not see that from this team. They weren't playing well at that point in the season. Um, they weren't doing any. They weren't playing defense. They didn't run the bases well. They weren't hitting well, – they weren't doing anything well at all. And that Vanderbilt game that was that the Friday night game where Burns came in and got the save mm-hmm. it is flipped the season totally around. And they were a completely different ball team after that, and uh, or ball club, as they say in baseball. But it was just they played really well finishing the season. Um, one series they had to, because I, I think I came on here right after that. And I was like, I don't know that this team's an NCAA tournament team right now. I mean, I think they were still probably in it at that point, but there really wasn't much room for error. And they really – you got to give them props. They turned it around, the coaching staff and the players. They did what they needed to do and started playing good baseball. And I know they didn't win any games in Hoover, but um, won a lot of big games down there at Clemson and Hattiesburg. And uh, you know, won a game for the first time in twenty something years in in Omaha. I know we hadn't had that many trips to Omaha in twenty years, but uh, it was refreshing to see a, a Tennessee team not cave in and um and make some noise a little bit. Thomas, what's your thoughts on on the Vols trip to Omaha?
1: Um, it was a good trip. I mean, when you're having to face Paul Skeens game one, you're you're already kind of expecting a loss unless you play a perfect game and, and can get a run or two here and there. But um, they battled, met him, throw what, 125 pitches and got him out. And, you know, your one or two hits from tying the game or, you know, <clears throat> you have the go-ahead, you have the tying run on in the eighth. So, and then I thought they played really well against uh, Stanford. I think their approach at the plate with the wind blowing in, you weren't going to hit a home run, and they just hit the singles. And one extra base hit and 13 hits, and they didn't, you know, against a pitcher that – the top of pitcher that we don't really hit well, as we saw last night, a lefty with a changeup. We don't – we don't do well against lefties or off-speed pitches.
0: So – Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, they that approach against Stanford there in the second half of that game was awesome to see. I mean, it's like they totally changed. You know, you always hear this, you know, second time through the order. And it's true. I mean, I've played a lot of baseball in my life. You you go up bat to bat against a guy you've never seen before. So you kind of it's a filling out process. You don't really expect to come right out of the gates and just start hammering somebody, especially when you get to this point in the season, this level, but they made a lot of good adjustments in that Stanford game. Same thing at Southern Miss. They did the – you know, we haven't recorded since that Monday night game um, there in Hattiesburg that we won, but they made a lot of adjustments in those those two wins that they got, and that's – I mean, that's partly coaching, partly the players making some adjustments on their own. It's just a – that's what was exciting about this team they got. And I think Karen Weekly. they interviewed her. They had a get-together, a, get a welcome-back thing uh, for the baseball team at Lindsey Nelson today. They did something similar for softball when they got back from Oklahoma City. But Karen Weekly was there, and they interviewed her before the team got back. And they're like, what are you going to say to Tony when you see him? And she's like, I just want to tell him how proud I am of him and um, – you know it's really gratifying as a coach to see your teams, you know, especially the way they started out, get better as the season went along and I that was like spot on when what she said um and they did. I mean they even during these last couple weeks they they got better. Clutch hits, solid for the most part solid defense. I know that came back to bottom a little bit against LSU um last night and um, but for the most part, over the last month and a half, they played really well defensively. And uh, they were not playing well at all defensively earlier in the year. Really, the only one was Maui Ahuna. Everybody else was really struggling. But um, Harbin, what would you think? Did you get to watch any of it this weekend, uh, last night?
2: I did. Um, didn't get to watch first game against LSU. I was at a concert. Um, nice and Montana were quick to give me hell about that. Sad. Uh, but as Day also said, Nice also protested watching a game because it was on ESPN Plus. So not a whole lot of room to talk there. But I still listened to the game. Fair. Uh <laughs> I kept up with it on the ESPN app on my phone. Um, but yeah, uh Thomas covered that game pretty well. Uh Stanford game, uh, I got to watch the last two innings once I got to work, but the first seven, I listened to John Wilkerson, and if you didn't listen to the Stanford game, uh, John Wilkerson put on an all-time performance, especially when we ended up tying the game in, what, the fifth inning? What was it? Fifth or sixth?
0: The uh, fifth is when they tied it, and in the seventh, they went ahead.
2: Yeah. All-time performance out of Mr. Wilkerson. Um, But like you said about – the Stanford game, kind of changing the approach, you know, just kind of making contact, get it out there. Because I, I think sometimes when we get down, we just start swinging for the fences, and they kind of just choked up and was like, "Let's, let's just make something happen here," and that was really nice to see. Um, and then last night the LSU game, um, Beam did his part for the most part. Um, just couldn't get the bats going really. Um, that's kind of what plagued us at the beginning of the year. You know, we had some, we had some critical errors, um, couldn't hit the ball. And normally if it's pattern, that's normally how things end and nothing to hang your hat on is a great turnaround to the season. And like you said, it was just nice to see a team in orange, not lay down and kind of fizzle out. But, uh, overall I'm happy with the season. Uh, especially with where we were in April, May, those areas. Um, It it, it was cool because after the SEC tournament, I was like, there's a 0% chance we get out of Clemson. Uh, And I was proven wrong with that. Zane Denton became a Knoxville legend, Uh, went down to Hattiesburg, took care of business. Um, I ain't going to hang my head, you know, Two trips to Omaha in the last three years. I uh, got the number one recruiting class coming in. We're we're losing on paper like six or seven guys, maybe eight. Um Things are looking pretty high going into next year too.
0: So I wanted to bring Thomas in on this because he, out of all of us, he follows baseball. <clears throat> excuse me, the most closely. I was looking at the roster last night after the game. Um. I know there's some guys, and I haven't been able to find it today. And I just haven't taken the time, but I know there's like three names that have entered the transfer portal. I don't think they were any type of contributors. Um, but who do we lose beside I mean, we know we're gonna lose Dolander. You know you lose Sewell. Um, we lose um Griffin Merritt. He's gone. Um, but do we do any of these other like Christian Scott? He's a senior. Could he come he's, back? He's a
1: six year. No, he's he,
0: okay. Scott came
1: back for a six year. So him, him, and Sewell are the are like six year. Technically, I guess merit. I don't know about Halverson because well, I was, was going to ask million. you
0: because you said that, but according to the roster, he's a red shirt junior.
1: Yeah, I, I think he's. I think he goes pro. I think he's got the. I don't think we were going to have him more than a year anyway. Um, but he got hurt last year, so that kind of derailed his season. Denton, I think, has a year left because he's got a COVID year left. I don't know that he comes back, but it would help. Um,
0: who is that? I'm sorry, Zane Zane Denton. He's got a
1: year left. Everybody was saying he's got a year left.
0: Yeah, he was one that I had circled. Um, that's gone.
1: He's a junior, but he'll get drafted.
0: Um, but he he in theory could return
1: he could i i don't see him returning um he'll be top five rounds i would assume he's real he'll they'll fix his hitting if if it needs fixing but he's so smooth in the field
0: i'm trying to get on here to the portal but D1 Baseball, you got to you gotta subscribe.
1: Oh, yeah. So, I know that, like, Bimby was a left-handed pitcher. He's transferred. He didn't really do much. Uh, Jake uh, Fitzgibbons, I can't think of his first name. Yes. He's in he, I knew about Fitzgibbons. He was the only one that really pitched any, but he didn't pitch much down the stretch. And then a player that had already stepped away from the program for the semester is transferring. And then somebody, uh, I think another – Pitcher that had Tommy John and wasn't going to play this year is decided to transfer. So, no major transfers. Yeah. Um. We need to shore up catcher position <laughs> for sure. Yes. We're, we're, I mean, with a bat, and we have a we have a commit that is like six two and looks like a he's ripped. I saw a video, and he's a commit to here. I just don't know. You never know. Baseball is the toughest sport to recruit. because yeah. You know, we, we could have had – you know, Mookie Betts was a commit. Cabrion Hayes was a commit. I mean, Mookie Betts Jr. year at UT, he won the MVP in the AL. I mean, so.
2: I just think- never uh, speaking, know. speaking of catcher, by the way, uh, this is inside news. Uh, I was up in Jefferson City this morning. I stopped in the Waggles. I ran into Cal Stark. Uh, he had just left the admission office, office at Carson Eumann. Uh He'll be transferring to Carson he'll are be, you, he'll be.
0: Are you being serious or are you, did you really see him?
2: Well, he was between there and Pellissippi. And he decided <laughs> between Carson Newman. So, yes, we definitely need to sure up catcher position because our starter will not be back next year. He will be in the Lakeway area down at Mossy Creek.
0: Look, I lie. I mean, I think Cal Stark did a. I don't want to say a good job, a decent job behind the plate. Um, but he guys, he can't hit. I mean, hit, no. he, he was almost an automatic out every time he came up.
1: But you didn't have anybody to replace. I mean, you know, the best hitter you could have put with Dicky, but he would have been beat up all year.
0: Where in the world? I've looked all over the place. Where in the world do you find a list of everybody that's in the transfer portal? Besides D1 Baseball, where you have to pay to get this information.
1: Kendall Rogers keeps posting every day about transfers coming out. But there was an article. um, Somebody put an article about Tennessee players a day or so ago, and I can't remember what Twitter page it was who tweeted it. But that's where I got that list that I was.
0: Let's see. Here's one uh, from June 21st, which is today. What do you know? Uh, here's who is joining and leaving the Vols via the transfer program. Uh,
2: summer solstice, by the way. Happy summer solstice.
0: Longest day of the year.
2: Longest day of the year.
0: That's why we're recording later at night. Got that is. To. Um, is. Let's see. Who is leaving Tennessee? Jake Fitzgibbons. Thomas mentioned him. Um, He only had 17 appearances this year, 12 innings from Mount Juliet. Um, Alex Stanwich, an outfielder. Uh, he was one of the top incomers for the, in the Vols' 2022 recruiting class. He took the spring semester off to, quote, get some things sorted out is what Coach Vitello said in February. Uh, Tennessee expected him back in the fall, but he has entered the transfer portal. Um, Jacob Bimby, you also mentioned him. He was in the class of 22, key left-hand arm in the bullpen, but never really threw any. 15 appearances, did not appear in an SEC game. Turner Swistak is a pitcher, he transferred from Louisiana Tech. Um, he redshirted this season after dealing with an early season injury. He is, uh, let's see, he came from a community college. So, see, Sean Scott is apparently in the portal. So, I've just, I've, I know these guys from looking at recruiting stuff a couple years ago, but you kind of forget about them if they're not out there on the field. And baseball is such a, I mean, the roster is so big. Um, looks like he had, he pitched in three games in 21. He set out this – or in 22 after Tommy John surgery. And he worked out as a pitcher and an outfielder in the fall but did not have a role with the team in 23. So, that's it. I mean, as of this moment
1: – There will be more, but
0: – There will be. And as of
1: – big, big boys.
0: Yeah, as of this moment, I mean, the we know some of the big names like Thomas mentioned might leave to enter the draft. Um there's a potential for some to, to maybe enter the transfer portal. But you look at this roster, like, they don't lose a whole lot, to be honest. They don't. I mean, you've got Drew Bean back. You've got Chase Burns back. You've got A.J. Russell back, who's probably going to be a starter next year. You've uh, you've got some other guys that, that contributed out of the bullpen that are going to be back. And then in the field – potentially some of these guys could come back, but you can look at it, you know, if Zane Denton and Malia Huna doesn't come back, who replaces them? You've got uh, Tears that that can contribute next year.
1: Droning, um, Dylan Droning and Tears will probably be your yeah. corner off-rovers next year.
0: And I forgot about Andrew Lindsey on the pitching staff. I mean, he's had a pretty good year this year. He'll be back. He,
1: he may, he's a junior, though. He may get drafted. He may have worked his way into a draft.
2: True. I saw I saw where um uh, I saw where Kirby might be coming back for what feels like his ninth year on campus. Does he have another year? I, I think he technically does.
1: I I I think the Kirby train has run its course. Yeah. He, he was not as good this year as he was last year. And you really only saw him pitch to one batter a game if that and I mean Yeah,
0: he was um
1: he was inconsistent like most of our pitchers except for Drew Beam.
0: he was like a spot reliever guy. Do you so you think next year Burns goes back to the rotation? Yes. So we will have Beam, Burns and probably AJ Russell or if, and if Lindsay probably comes Russell. back. So what is, if Lindsay comes back where does he go? Bullpen guy, he goes I in mean, the so they'll have four a four man rotation for three games. <laughs> I mean, it's it's a it's the problem Tennessee had this year. They had a great problem. We were set up so well for Omaha because you basically had four or five starters. You can even count Sewell in there a little bit, even though he he wasn't as effective this year as he was last year. But he's still one of those guys that can come in and eat up innings. But you had. You had Burns who came out of the bullpen and ate up a lot of innings. Of course, Dolander, who he would eat up some innings sometimes, but you just never knew how many he was going to go. But you knew his stuff was always, you know, the potential was there. And then you've got um Lindsay. And then you had um Halverson out of the bullpen. I mean, you they just had plenty, they had so much, so many arms. Um, and I think that was what was frustrating against LSU the other night our pitching was set up better than theirs and it just our offense never could get going and it put our I mean it's not like the pitching was that bad. We had gave up three runs through through what eight innings and Ole Miss or L S U tacked on two more there in the ninth, but
1: we kind of reverted back to our early season I mean we gave him four runs. I mean should have had him picked off should have had Cruz picked off at first in the first inning. He scores Throwaway gets the second run in. The wild pitch gets the third run in.
0: Jared, Jared Dickey doesn't. He goes pro. You think he goes pro after this year?
1: Because he's a red shirt. He's a he's, he's a, a red
0: shirt sophomore.
1: Red shirt sophomore. So he's a draft eligible sophomore. I just think he goes. I hope he. Come, I wish he'd come back, but I, it's hard to yeah. turn down. You know.
0: Now, when if if you do lose Denton, Ahuna, and um, Dickey, that that make now that's a totally different thing. I mean, you're talking three guys that contributed pretty heavily, but I don't know right off the top of my head who replaces those guys, but those are three key losses. Um, even though we did bitch and moan about Ahuna at the plate a lot, but defensively, he was spectacular all year long. Um,
1: I think the issue, I think the problem everybody had with Ahunas, is he came in hitting, you know, he hit yeah. 396 at Kansas. I think he dealt with some injuries that they didn't really talk about. And then he got a late start to the season. But I mean, he still hit over 300. Hit, um, he, what, three or four hits in the world in the Caldwell series? I mean, he hit two, he hit a hard ball yesterday and two hits, I think, yesterday. Um,
0: no, right. he hit, hit him and Burke actually turned a. I thought turned a corner the last two or three games. Um, going really making a conscious effort to go the other way with the baseball at the plate. Now I forgot about um, Christian Moore. He'll be back. He's just a sophomore. He's not draft eligible. And then you got Blake Burke. Will be back.
1: Yeah, the the left side of the infield, the right side of the infield, they're back. It's just second, third, and short. You don't know about.
2: Yeah. Uh, forgive my ignorance on this, but this is a question for those that know, uh, are college eligible players in the draft the same as high school players? Uh, if they're not, uh, pleased with their draft or whatever, they can go back to college. Is that how that works? Or, cause I know high school players, if they're committed and they don't get drafted where they really I want to or where they thought they were going to they they have the option to go to college instead
1: there's a deadline they have to make a decision by
2: okay so so it's but not- and I
1: think you can't I, I don't know what is, the rules are now but it, you couldn't hire an agent I think or that you could have an advisor but you couldn't have like an actual agent because that would make you, you know I think I don't know exactly
0: gotcha So we do have the – Harbin, you were right. We do have the top-ranked recruiting class uh, for 2024. Um, We actually just got a commit from the local – from the region here in East Tennessee from Loudoun County. um, Jackson Walker, a pretty good player from what I've heard. I've not seen him because Carter only plays single-A schools now.
2: That's a that's a baseball name. Jackson Walker.
0: With an X. J A X O N.
2: Oh dude, he hits bombs. <laughs> he hits bombs. I don't even know if he's a position player. Yeah, he's he an out, he's an
0: outfielder, 5'11" 180. Bats left, throws left. Short oh, porch. He might, he might at Lindsey Nelson. Easter. Absolutely. Short porch at Lindsey Nelson. Don't forget that. Um I mean, just looking at this, they've got um Oh shoot, where would to go? 22 high school commits, seven in the top 100. Uh, We have the highest ranked class right behind us is LSU. Vandy's fourth, Mississippi's fifth, Texas A&M eighth, Mississippi State nine, Florida 10. So, Auburn 11. So, you got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of the top 11 are SEC schools in recruiting. But Tony Vitello, when when he came here, he was known as probably the best – Recruiter in the nation, and he's continued that here. And with that in mind, and we talked about some of the people that could leave or that will be leaving, does Tennessee bring enough in? I mean, I'm assuming we might hit the portal at some point. Um, being in Omaha, you're a little behind the eight ball on that, but not necessarily. I've seen South Carolina's picked up some players, LSU's picked up a couple players. Um, even while they're still playing. But um, does Tennessee – are they able to reload next year and get back to this same point?
2: Short answer, I'm going to say yes. Um, I think with what we're – I mean, I I guess it depends on who decides to go, who decides to come back. So it's probably too early to say. But short answer, I'm going to say yes. Um, And to answer your other question, we're definitely going to hit the portal. Um, might not get some of the top guys, but the pro and con of being in Omaha, yeah, you get a late start on it, but also you're one of the last eight teams <laughs> with the exposure. You know, that's what everybody's watching at this point in the year. So uh, short answer, I'm going to say yes. Uh, I think we have kind of solidified ourselves as a top baseball program, and we're at least going to be in contention every year.
0: I agree with that. I mean, I think Tennessee is, and we'll, I'll talk about this in a second, but they've shown a commitment on paper to commit to, um, to baseball. But uh, I think Tennessee's a contender in the SEC every year, and they're a contender to obviously make the NCAA tournament. I think if they don't make the NCAA tournament from here on out as a program, it's a disappointment. I mean, I don't think it's a fireable offense for the coaching staff, but something has gone wrong if this program doesn't make the NCAA tournament from here on out every year. It's kind of the same thing in basketball. If Tennessee doesn't make the NCAA tournament in basketball, there's something wrong. Um, but I don't know, Thomas, you're season ticket holder. You're there pretty much every night. Does this team – I think they can rebound, but, you know – I guess we just don't know a lot yet. It's probably a hypothetical answer because we don't know who's leaving, who's coming, who's going, anything like that. But this program seems like it's built to be able to, to rebound and, and get back there.
1: I mean, I think you, as a fan, the expectation is to make the NCAA tournament, SEC tournament, um, play for championships. Um, But the College World Series is—it's baseball is the hardest sport, in my opinion, to win a championship in. I mean, you could have the best roster, best team in the country, and you don't make the College World Series like last season's team, because by hands down the best team in probably the last decade, everybody was—you know—they were saying—and you have two bad games, and you're you're back home watching or you know not watching the College World Series.
0: Um, I didn't watch it. They didn't. None
1: of the players I, watched it, according to the you know they. Yeah. One of them,
0: like. Yeah. Some somebody asked me the other day about the college world series last year, and I was like, I can't even. I know who won it, but who won it?
2: So. Uh, oh Miss. Ole, Ole
0: Miss. Yeah, see, I didn't. <laughs> I, I literally did not watch any of it last year.
2: Yeah, no, I didn't. I,
0: did. I watched it, but I couldn't. Like, I was so sick to my stomach. Yeah, I was with you at that game on. On Saturday and Sunday, Thomas and I don't think we hardly spoke walking back to the to the trucks after the game. But I was the,
1: we can blame the Twins for those losses.
0: Oh, the the Rose Twins, yes,
1: Rose Twins, blame them.
0: <laughs> Any Tom, the anytime Thomas sees all
1: year they went to and we lost.
0: Anytime uh, Thomas sees Matt or Michaela Brose at a Tennessee sporting event, we lose. So I next see, time
1: well, I I see them in every football game because they sit right below me, but. Well, that doesn't count.
0: We were talking last time I saw him. It's been a while. I can't remember which. I think it was Matt. I was telling him, I was like, he was wanting to go to, uh, where is before we dropped BYU. He was talking about going there, going to LSU. And I was like, man, I, Thomas says you shouldn't go.
1: They did go to LSU this year. I'm pretty sure.
0: Oh, did they? Well, football, maybe the curse, yeah. the curse is broken, Harbin. I mean, it's
2: over. The curse is broken.
0: I mean, I went to, I went to, to Clemson, Tennessee beat Charlotte. No worries. I went to uh, – oh, gosh. I went to one basketball game this year, which is sad for me. But, no, I went to multiple basketball games this year. We won them all. I only saw us lose one game in football, and that was at South Carolina. But, no, um, well, I'm sorry. I lost two. I lost the Georgia game.
2: But, well, but still. I, I was about to say, there there were rumblings throughout the camp that uh, you and I were the curse because we were in Athens and Columbia, but we but were also in Baton Rouge. <laughs> but to them, I've got two words for them. Because we were we were in Baton Rouge. We were there for Alabama. Yeah, yeah. you know uh,
0: the curse is broken. I went to Hoover last year. and There Tennessee is no won curse. The, Tennessee won the SEC championship. I was the first time I'd seen Tennessee win a championship, and I don't care if it is national or conference. I'd never seen Tennessee win a championship of any kind besides the Eastern Division, and that doesn't count in my book. And uh, they did it in Hoover last year. So the curse is over. It's broken. But um, I don't know. I think the guys mentioned it on the on the telecast last night that Tennessee's not going anywhere. Um, I, I don't think they go anywhere. Now, Am I saying they go back to Omaha next year? I don't know. But they should be right there in the mix in the SEC – um, they should be right there in the mix to host a regional or a super regional. Um, But it's tough. Like Thomas said, this college baseball, especially in the SEC, this conference will eat you
2: alive if you're not it's careful. Not, it's not going to get any easier either. No. With Texas and Oklahoma coming in. I know Texas had a good year. I don't really know much about Oklahoma baseball. Obviously, their softball team's are damn freight train. I mean,
0: Oklahoma baseball's but... been okay. I mean, Thomas, you –
2: yeah.
1: They were in the championship
0: last year against Ole Miss, I think. Yeah, I mean they've been—they're not a cake—they're not a cakewalk, so it's not going to get easier, like Harbin said. But um, I think Tennessee's made a commitment to it. Now, I will say, um, <laughs> Cruz texted the other day. It was after we did not get the bid to host the Super Regional. And he said, this is the problem with Tennessee baseball right now. They've got to get that stadium fixed because we're going to continue to lose out on stuff like this. He even insinuated that if we don't do something soon, Vitello would leave. And I don't know that that's the case, but um, I know they're working on Neyland Stadium. And that's the cash cow. And that's the big one. You got to fix that stadium up. I drove by there the other day. They're gutting the south end zone. Uh, the old South Hall—they're getting rid of it because they gotta—they gotta fix that part of the stadium. It's so old. Um, anybody that went to school there or has walked in that end zone knows how cramped and damp and old it is. It's just bad. So, but they just released this last year, last summer, wasn't it, Thomas, or last fall? Mm-hmm. So I—I I assume they're going to do some stuff this off season. I've not been able to find like a timeline on when they're starting this stuff. Um. But they there is a commitment on paper. There's money allocated on paper to upgrade Lindsey Nelson Stadium and to continue to grow the, the stadium and grow the program. I think some people want it quicker than it. it's probably going to happen. I saw several people tweet over the last couple weeks that why are we doing this in phases, but where are they going to play? We can't go up to Smoky Stadium and play. I mean, we could, but that's a nightmare and and it's not like the smokies have somewhere else to play yet that stadium is not going to be done for two or three years um so i think their only choice is to do it in stages and you know work this thing kind of like they're doing with Neyland stadium because if you if you want a whole new stadium you're it's not going to be you're not going to be ready it's not going to happen and uh i i hope they f- are able to find a way to get that that done quickly but i understand the logistics of it and all so they do i think they've got a commitment to baseball here now and that started with danny white i mean i really think he's committed to making this a contender every year
2: um going back to sec having 16 teams next year i don't know what sec's plan is for the sec tournament but I hope they get away with the buys and just do one through 16 first round bloodbath just for pure chaos. (laughs) I think that would be absolutely electric considering how deep the, um, is.
0: That would be wild. That That would be absolute single elimination one through 16. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I mean, and within the first two years, just out of solely math purposes, one of the top three seeds is losing in the first round. That will,
0: be, that will be interesting to see what they do with that tournament. I'm assuming they'll break it down into two brackets of eight um, when they okay, have a No, I don't know
1: that all 16 will make it because all well, 14 that's will make it now. Only top 12 make it, so the bottom two don't even make it right do, now.
0: Do you think they keep that at 12 or do they go to 14? Yeah, but,
2: but, but 16 is just such a perfect bracket number you know just just give me the full full blown bloodbath single it, elimination it, first it round. Is,
0: it is I mean, and they could do that with they could do a single elimination and then move to double after that with 16 but that's still you're talking uh, let's see you lose four teams after the first round so you're back down to 12 team double elimination tournament that's a lot of baseball games
1: You'd have to have it two rounds at single, I think. Yeah,
0: they would almost have to do two rounds. It, they
1: do one round single and then the double until the semis, and then back to single for the semis. is How they have it now?
0: Yeah, it's it'll be it'd be interesting. I'd love to sit in on those because I love doing brackets and schedules and stuff, and I'd love to sit in on that and see what how they come up with that stuff. Because it, I would have loved to sit in and see how they came up with all that the sec football schedule that came out last week that was pretty incredible we'll move on from baseball um because we talked quite a bit on the show about it but uh, since we recorded last sec football put out a schedule for 2024 and tennessee for once didn't get totally shafted like some schools do um the odds have evened out just a little bit you know alabama and georgia's playing each other texas and oklahoma got the screws put to them uh, hey, welcome to the SEC, here's your schedule. And some of their fans obviously weren't happy, but Tennessee kept Georgia, Alabama, and Florida, um, and Kentucky still on there, and Vandy. So none, none of our schedule really changed. We we picked up Mississippi State one year. We lost South Carolina. That's the only big change I noticed on the schedule was for 2024, there's no South Carolina for the first time since 1992. What would you all think about the schedules that came out?
2: Uh, Like you said, um, we didn't get shafted, which was kind of a weird feeling. Um, And I know that it wasn't – this matchup wasn't standing for too long, but no Missouri is also going to be a little odd. You know, I kind of got used to playing them every year. Um, But we need to talk about Florida's schedule that they've got.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's brutal.
2: It's one of the hardest college football schedules of all time. They're out of conference games. They have one layup game. I think – is it Samford who it is? But they've got Miami. I think so. They've got Miami, Florida State, and UCF on top. I don't remember who all they've got in the SEC, but it's absolutely brutal. If if Napier don't get it figured out, that could be like a two- or three-win season. Like no BS, um. But yeah, it's gonna be fun. Uh, our two—I guess we're not doing East-West anymore. But our two West opponents will be um, Mississippi Arkansas State and Arkansas. Arkansas.
0: So yeah. Thomas, wish come true, we get to knock Arkansas off of our stadium list. <laughs> yeah,
1: and then all we'll need is Texas.
0: And then oh, we'll I'll just be, Texas. I need Ole Miss in Mississippi State, but it's we're hosting.
1: Mississippi State's at home, isn't
0: it? It's at home here in Knoxville. Of course, we played them uh, in 2018, 20, 2018, 19. No. no, 2019.
2: No, it was the year that we lost to Georgia State, wasn't it?
0: It was, yeah, it was here. Um, it was 18. Because that was the game that our quarterback got pile driven in the middle of the field. What was that guy's name? Brian um
2: Oh, Brian Mayer.
0: Brian Maurer tried to get a he was running for a first down and got absolutely undertaker pile driven into the field on the 50 yard line. I mean, his literally his head was in the ground, his feet were straight up in the air. He never played again. Um it never was the same again. So, but yeah, it um I don't know. It's I I haven't really sat down and looked at it. I'm just I'm I'm glad that I'm not. I'm glad they stuck with eight games, nine games in this conference is too – that's too brutal. You got to have some layups here or there for these teams. Um, And I like how they did it where they used a, a formula with past performance and who you've been playing the past 15 years or something like that. But a lot of people were really skeptical about this. But our schedule, like I said, does not change hardly at all in 2024. Um. I don't know. I'm glad they're going to Arkansas finally. I haven't been there ever, like we just talked about, but that'll be nice. But I'm trying to pull it up here. That's why I'm rambling.
2: I've That's I've all got all of them pulled up. I'm trying to look I'm just trying to glaze over and see who's got a hard one.
0: So so I'll read out Tennessee's in twenty twenty four. We host Chattanooga, UTC, in Knoxville to open the season. And then we go to Charlotte, Bank of America Stadium to play NC State. So so we need to mention that in starting in 24, every SEC team has to play a has to play one Power Five opponent. So they can't they have to play somebody from ACC, Big Ten, Big Twelve, Pac twelve um, outside a conference at least one. And then we've got Kent State, um, in Knoxville, UTEP in Knoxville, but they've not. Why is the SEC schedule not on here? I guess because they don't have dates for
2: it yet. Well, the, well, the <laughs> SEC our home our home games are Florida, Alabama, Kentucky, and Mississippi State, and the away games are Vandy, Georgia, Arkansas, and Oklahoma.
0: So yeah. I'll, I'll say this, and I actually I had heard people say that we might play Texas in twenty four. It actually made more sense that we're playing Oklahoma because I think we had a game scheduled to go there anyway. Um, so I kind of, after you look at it, like, well, that makes sense. We were going to play him out there anyway, that year. So, um, don't know when the return, the return bout in Knoxville will be. It might be a while, but, um, a lot of people were assuming Texas might be that first, the first go around because the, the two UTs and all that, but I think Oklahoma made more sense just because of Hopel and we were supposed to be there anyway
2: uh texas's sec schedule is really not that bad currently uh at home they've got florida and kentucky and you got georgia and mississippi state and then on the road they've got oklahoma and vandy texas a&m and arkansas
1: they play the same schedule as us except they have a&m instead of alabama Looks yeah like. That's yeah
2: the
1: same exact yeah,
2: schedule exactly. um but oklahoma's is tough uh, at home, they've got us and Texas and Alabama and South Carolina. And then away, they've got Missouri, Ole Miss, LSU, and Auburn. That's rough.
0: Yeah. Yeah. At Auburn, not an easy place to play. We know LSU is not an easy place to play. Probably the easiest is Missouri. Um,
2: yeah. That, so place got, get, that place gets weird at night, though.
0: It can get weird. Thomas and I have been there, it, it's very, weird. it's weird. As Undy says, let's get weird.
1: M I Z, you can't spell. Remember that guy? Oh yeah, we were getting.
0: And we, it it reminded me. Thomas, correct me if I'm wrong. It reminded me of Vanderbilt so much when we were there because at the time they were adding on to the stadium, but it's still small. Worse
1: than Vanderbilt.
0: Right. Bathroom.
1: To get to the bathroom took 45 minutes.
0: And we parked in a parking garage. They didn't charge us. That was the best part. I think we took a – did we take a grill or did we just take – No,
1: we took a cooler, but they said you can't have a grill because somebody caught a car on fire
0: <laughs> Yeah. in
1: the parking garage one time because they put it under the car and it was still smoldering. And it
0: I remember it, it was pretty cold that – it was a night game. It was Butch it was Jones night, yeah.
1: That was a terrible drive.
0: It was a long drive from Knoxville through western Kentucky and – parts of Illinois and then into Missouri. I didn't think we were ever going to get there and then ever get back. Um, And then uh, the game was at night, and we parked for free. I mean, it was a parking garage right next to the hospital, and there was nobody up there. It was craziest thing. You would have had no idea idea we were at a SEC game. And it really did not feel like the SEC when we were out there. It felt like we were at a Big 12 game.
1: They were too nice.
0: No,
2: they were way too nice. Um, So, I I just got Florida's SEC schedule. Um, Brutal. They have a chance to not be favored in any SEC game, betting-wise. So, the games they've got on the road is Texas, Tennessee, Georgia, and Mississippi State. And at home, they've got Kentucky, A&M, Ole Miss, and LSU. And that's on top of Miami, Florida State, and UCF. I do not hate to see it. I love to see it. Piss on them.
0: That, you you hate to see it. It's just sad, isn't it?
2: I don't. I actually find it quite enjoyable. <laughs> we all do. Um, it's so nice to see us not get the ringer.
0: Yeah, I mean our schedule. Not that it's easy or anything, but you oh, know always. we've got we've got Vandy, we've got Mississippi State. Who I don't know what you know they're going through a new they've got a new coach, so that'll be their second year under their coach if he if he makes it two years. Um, so we've we've got a couple I don't want to say layups but some games that um, are winnable and Florida's and you know if you listen to Vols picks on Twitter he. Talks about Kentucky and Florida's recruiting is just fantastic, but so far they've not shown anything on the field. I'm skeptical
2: of both of those programs.
0: And well, I Florida think- just
2: lost a Florida just lost a big time quarterback to Kiffin.
0: They did. I mean, I That's think all
2: That's if all you I'm really if saying. you look
0: at it, Tennessee is in much better shape than Florida right now. Um, I think they're better than South Carolina, even though some want to want to prop up the Gamecocks all the time. Um, I think the only program in the East that's in a better spot right now than Tennessee is Georgia. Um, and then once you go into twenty-four com- divisions, go away, so you can't really say in the East. But you just look at who you play. But um, I don't know. It. Um, I don't know. It's. Um, it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out. I mean, this year's the last year of the divisions, and then you go into one giant mess after that. I'm interested to see how the tiebreakers work. Because you – I mean, back in the day, Tennessee used to win the SEC and there'd be three teams tied for the SEC title. And obviously they had tiebreakers in place. I don't know what they were. But you're going to see – I think at some point you're going to see that teams tie for for either first and second or tie for – you might have three teams tie for second. And, you know, what's the tiebreaker situation at that point? You know, back in the day in the East, Tennessee and – um Tennessee, Georgia, and Florida tied for the Eastern Division title in 03, and they went by BCS standings. And basically, if Tennessee lost that game at Miami that they won 10 to 9, or was it 10 to 6 or 10 to 7, something 10 to 6, um, if they hadn't won that game, they basically would have been eliminated from contention in, in the East, even though it wasn't a conference game. But they won that game and stayed pretty high up in the. They stayed right there with Georgia and Florida in the SEC or in the BCS standings, but I think Georgia that year was the team that went to Atlanta, if I remember correctly, because they were higher in the BCS standings. So um yeah, I don't know. That'll be interesting to see how they figure that out going forward.
2: Well, you would assume that the tiebreaker would probably go the same as like NFL does for divisions. Like they would go to they they would go to conference record, and then after that if it's still tied, well, obviously it'd be tied, but after that it'd be similar opponents. Uh, and then after that, I want to say the NFL does like point differential after that, but I would assume they'd probably follow that model because it's the closest thing to it, but I don't know. Yeah, but- uh, that's
0: what I'm I, – I would assume they'll do something similar, but who uh, Who knows? Um, speaking of football, Tennessee's got a slew of commitments over the past few days. Have y'all seen that? We got
2: yeah, I, I saw the O lineman. Um, and then uh, the Bishop linebacker. kid is he a linebacker? We got, linebacker. Uh, we got.
0: There's a Jordan Burns. Um, he committed Burns. to Tennessee on Tuesday. He's a 220 pound. Defensive uh, linebacker from uh, Atlanta, Georgia, chose the Vols over Vandy in Arkansas. Uh, my computer's frozen. Like you said, we got a four-star offensive lineman today, Max Anderson. You got a sweet jacket on in this picture. I'll see if I can get it in the picture, but it's an old shark tooth starter-looking jacket. It's pretty awesome. It's got the old. It's got this UT logo that I've got on on my hat watching the video uh boo carter got he committed to tennessee uh top 15 um athlete or we we're in back into the top 15 i'm sorry but i'm pretty sure he was the number six overall athlete in next year's class um i think tennessee's back in the top 10 in most recruiting rankings now this stuff moves around so much this time of year because all these teams are getting commitments left and right right now. So it's all – I just look for, you know, who are they getting? Does it fill needs? And I think you know, Hopel and his staff are doing a good job of that right now. But big day, big week on the recruiting trail for the Big Orange. Now that baseball's over, that's that's next in line, fellas, is, is football. It's not – we're two months away almost. It's creeping up on us, Harbin.
2: It is. When when August first hits, it'll be it'll we'll be in fifth gear and spring loaded and ready to fire, as one of my college roommates used to say. Um Tennessee basketball announced today. I think this had
0: this actually came out last week, but uh officially it comes out today. We're going to be playing North Carolina State in San Antonio in December in basketball. So that's pretty cool. And um some recruiting news there from Tennessee basketball. I saw this the other day. Uh, a an elite, as club pro guy says, elite combo guard is in. Uh, has named Tennessee one of his top four teams. Ahmad Noel um, released his top four on Monday night. The Vols in, are included on the list with UConn, Georgia Tech, and Kentucky. He's a top forty guard, um, and that's all they have to say about him. Oh, sorry. Six-foot, 180, four-star recruit, number 33 player in the country. So, Coach Barnes continues to recruit at a high level. And I wish Day-Day Ball was on here because supposedly Coach Rick Barnes paid for Day-Day's lunch at Dead End the other day.
2: You care to enlighten the people on Montana's quote of the day after that? I
0: don't remember it. I got to look it up. You know, I'll,
2: I'll, I'll paraphrase i can't remember it word for word but uh day obviously big montana is not the uh he, he's a fan of rick barnes but he, he he's uh, hard on him he's he very hard on him. he scrutinizes him so day says that mr barnes paid for paid for his lunch and then bowling said yeah i ran into him at calhoun's one day and um uh, he He bought my first beer, and you know, as one does, I returned the favor and got his second round, but Rick dipped out before the third round was even an option.
0: <laughs> yeah, he said, funny thing is, I bought Rick a beer at Calhoun's, which that's not true, Rick, don't drink. um, once he was nice enough to pick you up to pick up the second round, but he had to get home so he didn't stay for the third round. Sad
2: is sad. So uh, I,
0: I was hoping Big Montana would be on here and I I think I did tweet or text you all this but he kept saying Tennessee baseball finished uh 5th. So I said does that mean Tennessee basketball finished 12th because we were the last team on on third was it it was a Thursday night we were the last team eliminated on that Thursday night. So we finished 12th. And then Big Montana responded we were done in November.
2: Uh, enough of the negativity staying <laughs> on the basketball. I saw a video today and I love overreacting to offseason videos when we're 4 to 5 months out. Uh I saw a video of Dalton Connect, still not sure on how to say his last name. Me uh, getting up a couple of threes in the gym. His jumper looks incredible. Uh, and I'm sold that he's going to be the next Larry Bird. Um, he's gonna be a fan favorite. It's textbook, it's very quick, it looks awesome. So I'm
0: I'm telling you guys, just looking at this roster that they've brought in and reading it's so early, but reading preseason rankings and things like that, Tennessee's in most most of these rankings are in the top 15, but some of them have us in the top ten. And I just think if these guys pan out like they should. They've done a really good job of filling some holes that they needed. The only the only weak spot right now to me is at point guard with this basketball program because of the Zakai Ziegler injury. You don't know really when he's going to come back, and then how long is it going to take him to get to 100. percent. It's just it's different for each player, but he could probably come back in December, but they probably hold him out till January. But I think this team could be really good again next year. They're going to compete. They're already in. Some of the, um, I guess, some of the uh, Vegas type uh, odds. One of the top two or three teams in the conference next year, which is as where Tennessee should be in basketball. Um, I don't know. I, do I think th- I think they could be good next year again.
2: I do think Ziegler comes back a little bit earlier than what we think, but I think the first four to five games is on a very strict minute restriction. Like we'll probably bring him back for like the Lipscomb's and stuff like that and play like 10 minutes, you know, get his feet wet. Um, But yeah, I don't think they'll fully cut the string until late December, early January, but they're definitely going to have to get his feet wet before we get in the conference play.
0: We should be getting a schedule pretty soon for the season. I don't if- think the whole thing's out yet, but it usually comes, it's around July when we usually get a schedule for the upcoming season. And Sometime in the next few weeks, we should start getting kickoff. I know we've gotten three so far, but we may get some more. I don't know for football. Um, we might get some more here in the ne- over the next few weeks. We'll see. I don't know. Um, they do it different than they used to. It used to come in. like mid to late July, early August. Now they've already put some out two or three weeks ago. Virginia is at 11 o'clock central time. Barf. Um. Florida's at night in the swamp. So, it'll be interesting to see some more kickoff times hopefully come out. But the basketball schedule should be out here pretty soon, um, here in the next few weeks, I would I would guess.
2: But, uh, is this upcoming season the last season for SEC on CBS, or is this the first season for ESPN?
0: I'm pretty sure this is the first season for ESPN. Big 10's on SEC ne-
2: this year. I'm going to miss that music. Are You're they still- going to keep the same music for Big Ten? Probably. Probably not. God. I, that- I
0: would hope not, but I've seen commercials and they're playing it. So
2: when that music hits from Minnesota Northwestern, I'm going to barf. It's just not the same, is it? Absolutely not, and especially and it's going to be at 2:30 now. Yeah.
0: I just I, I was uh, looking up some uh, the no. old the old ESPN themes from like the mid 90s God, if ESPN brought that back they would win a lot of my affection back that mid 90s college ESPN college football primetime music look it up it's on YouTube if you've never listened to it it's so it takes me back to middle school it's so awesome it's way better than what they got now
2: all right mr nice i'm going to flip the tables on you uh you always really <laughs>
0: dudley yeah. style Dudley yeah, Boy style?
2: Yeah, yeah. Thomas, get the tables. <laughs> um, You always tell who to go first. I'm going to make you go first this time. Or really? You have the tee. You have the tee.
0: Okay. I usually don't have the tee, but I'll, I'll tee it up and see if I can hit one down the fairway here. My hater and loser of the week. He's not really a loser because he came in and shut Tennessee down the other night, but it was for an action he did. Um, in Tennessee's first game against LSU in the CWS in Omaha is Riley Cooper from LSU. And he he grabbed his PP and started shaking it up and down through his baseball pants. And from the words I can see on here, he said FU pitcher, I think. Now I'll put it up on the screen for those that are watching. That's what he did. So if you're watching the video, that's it. I don't know. He's not really a hater or a loser. I guess I'm hating on him for what he did, but uh Riley Cooper LSU for grabbing his PP on national television. That's all I have to say. Not not the Riley Cooper from Florida.
2: Okay. Oh, no pun intended on that. Uh, yeah. Uh, um <laughs> mine's a little pretentious. Uh, but speaking of pee pee. Uh, kind of segues directly into it. Uh, my hater and loser of the week, uh, and I hate for saying her name, giving her a little bit more credit is, uh, Mariah Mills. Uh, if you've Ooh. been on the internet or on sports television over the last week, you know that name. Uh, but the rundown of it all is she is an adult film actress. And pretty much was trying to get pregnant from Pelican star Zion Williamson. And she is upset that he pretty much chose another adult film actress over her. Uh, And she took to the Twitter machine and. uh, Posted screenshots of conversations, threatened to leak videos. Take that for what you may. Um. And pretty much I think Adam Silver made the call to Elon and uh, her Twitter account is now suspended. So
0: that that's pretty crazy. Um, you haven't seen any of her movies, have you?
2: I have not. Uh, <laughs> did not even notice the name. Um, but yeah, it, it was also funny because like all the screenshots of messages she posted, didn't even make Zion look like a bad dude. It it made him look dumb, but it didn't make him look like a bad guy. Yeah. Uh, it was dumb because he was pretty much like paying her to hang out with him, which is odd when you're that high profile of a person. This makes zero sense to me. But she's pretty much upset that she's a washed up actress that uh doesn't have much left in the tank, we'll call it. And uh, she was looking for an easy way out and thought thought she had it in the bag. And Zion drop-stepped, two-hand dunked on her and got out of the way. So she is my hater and loser of the week. She will not be getting that large financial future that she was hoping for.
0: Sorry. uh Yeah, that that was crazy. I just saw this guy I follow on Twitter, at Bo Ransom, posted to an LSU fan. Hey, Kev, buddy, if you're going to call people losers, you may want to invest in a burner account. They're free, and you can like whatever you want without the real you being on display. And this dude has liked so many porn accounts on his tw- <laughs> And the guy has scrolled up and down. Uh, to show this guy's face and what he's been liking on Twitter. It's fantastic. So if you get a chance, look up at Bo Ransom on, on the Twitter. All right, so my Hater and Loser of the Week is Riley Cooper for grabbing his PP Harbin's is Mariah whatever her name is trying to extort Zion Williamson. Thomas, do you have one? Do you have a Hater and Loser of the Week?
1: I can't think of one, at the moment.
0: Oh man, not Van. Any Vanderbilt fans that keep running their mouth? Anybody like that that you know they had something smart to say? There was
1: a Vanderbilt. There was a tweet on Twitter. Today there you go.
0: That, that can be your hater and loser of the week. Hater I loser of the week.
1: I can't remember that. I can't remember the uh, the Twitter handle, but it was a picture of uh, who was our rock builder last year?
0: Jordan Beck.
1: Jordan Beck with his sunglasses on, and it said loser on it.
0: Mike Honcho.
1: Yeah, and it was, uh, you know, you didn't even make it out of your own regional. So we'll just I think
0: do. I, I like that tweet at some point today. Um, I'll try to find it here very quickly. But, yeah, some Vandy, it's not like Vandy's account, but it was no. a fan account that um, I know it's on here. But they liked it, and the guy did post a picture of Jordan Beck from last year and um, pretty much said Tennessee was a bunch of losers. Oh, here it is. Um, At Vandy underscore 62, Vols, V-A-W-L-S, are eliminated from CWS. It's got a picture of – zoomed in on Jordan Beck's face with his sunglasses on. L-O-S-T. L-O on one lens, S-T on the other. You know, that's real Uh-oh. rich. That's real rich coming from a Vanderbilt fan whose own team couldn't even make it out of their own region in in Nashville a couple weeks ago. Um, and it's about the same. They're in the same category almost some Arkansas. Of these, as Arkansas. And then some of these Southern Miss fans cannot let that loss go a couple, a week ago in Hattiesburg. They're still running their mouth about Tennessee. Let me, let me lay this out for you. If your team loses – and they're not playing in the next round, you can't run your mouth about the team when they lose. You just can't do that. And it makes you look like even a bigger loser, hater and a loser. So, there's Thomas's hater and loser. At Vandy underscore 62. Sad.
2: Uh, honorable mention uh, is the USGA. Okay. Uh, we did have, We did have a very solid US Open. Um, I thought it was solid, um, but there was pretty much no spectators at the Los Angeles country club and that's because the USGA only put out 24,000 tickets to the public and 15,000 of those were hospitality tickets and it's already in LA. So you figure how much, how expensive those tickets were. So pretty much there was only 9,000 tickets to the general public for people like Thomas, Nathan, and myself. Uh, the people that you actually see on the television when you watch a golf tournament. So it just it, it looked like it looked like we were watching a, a golf tournament from the covid era pretty much. Um the USGA the USGA is just known weirdos. Um for spectators and course conditions and whatnot, but that part sucked, but we did have a good tournament. Um we all knew Ricky Fowler was gonna fall apart, but none of us wanted to see it. Um that really hurt. That hurt my soul. But I figured you'd be
0: excited since he's not a live guy.
2: No, man, I, I do. Hey, listen, listen. I, <laughs> well, I mean, the second honorable mention, and it's fitting that it's second, uh, Rory McElroy. He came in second. Played uh, really well? I thought he played really well. He did play really well. I'm not going to say a bad word about how he played this week. He he did pretty much all he could. Wyndham Clark kind of just went they just ro- beat him, robot. He, he went robot mode. Um, beat him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that that lag putt on 18, which nobody's going to care about that, but 60 footer with US Open on the line when you've only had one career win in like 9 years and you lag it up there to about 7 inches, that's that's nails. So yeah. credit to Wyndham. That that was cool. Uh did really want to see Ricky win, but unfortunately we all kind of saw it coming. But the good news on Ricky Fowler, I uh, saw a guy tweet this today, the four majors for next year uh, in their rotation are the same four from I want to say 2014. And in 2014, he came in the top five in all four of those majors. That is where the majors will be held next year. So with the way he's playing right now and the cor- and courses that he seems to be comfortable at, we could finally see it next year.
0: I will call out Chad Grubb a little bit. He kept he Absolutely. after <clears throat> not for the live stuff, but he did say after after the round on Sunday that Ricky was is uh never the bride, always the bridesmaid. And literally in unison in unison, Burkhart and I wrote back he's won four majors. And Grubb's response was, but it's not since 2014, but he's still won four major championships. So it's really hard to call him a bride. It's really hard to call anybody a bridesmaid when they've won four major championships. I know it's been a while, but who has? Rory McIlroy.
2: Oh, I thought you said Ricky.
0: Oh, I may have. I'm my, sorry. R- my, Rory McIlroy, not Ricky. I was
2: sitting there and I was like Ricky is not one for my bad.
0: No, but... and I may have said Ricky if I said Ricky Fowler it's my fault, but no, Rory McIlroy, always the bridesmaid, never the bride, and I'm like He's won four major titles. Pretty sure he Uh, has. (laughs) I know he has. Yeah, he won the 2011 U.S. Open, 2012 PGA, 2014 Open, and 2014 PGA. He's never won the Masters. He's won every other. He's won away from the Grand Slam. So,
2: spoiler alert. Do you want one? Yes. He's never going to win the Masters. Maybe. Maybe not.
0: You never know. I never thought Sergio Garcia would win it.
2: Well, that's also true. Or or Danny Willett. I made everybody puke. Yeah.
0: If Rory McElroy can just... It's like he has one round every year at Augusta that keeps him out of... Con... Or not out of contention, but that holds him back. If he can eliminate that, I think he can win it down there. Because he can bomb the ball, but... It's um he always has one round every year down there that keeps him out of that top spot.
2: In complete non biasness, everybody knows my my stance on Rory. But in complete non biasness, ever since that year, I forgot what year it was. I'll say twenty twelve or thirteen. Uh, when he when he had a solid lead going into Sunday and he shot eighty down there, I think he's just a complete mental block. Cause obviously, he's good enough to win the Masters. He always has been, but I think it's a mental block at that place. I, I think it just does something to him.
0: Let me ask you this because I want to get your quote out there in the open for all to hear, for all 40 people that listen to this to hear. Uh, because I know this is going to come up when we're in Georgia on the golf trip. It's it could be an explosive Thursday night, maybe Friday night, too. Oh, it's
2: it's it's gonna be something.
0: <laughs> it's got all the ingredients. Is this live PGA thing good for the game of golf going
2: forward? Strictly golf? Yes. I believe it is. Um, with the financial part and potentially political and all that, it could get dicey. I don't know. We don't know what it entails. Um but golf-wise, I think it is. However, you've got a lot of the top guys on PGA like that are pissed off about it, and right, rightfully so. Like Adam Scott, he had an interview, I want to say it was today, maybe yesterday, and they asked him about it. And he was like, honestly, I don't know how to feel. Is like, because I stayed. And I think he had an offer on the table from Liv for somewhere between $75 and $100 million. And he just gets a pat on the back and a firm handshake for staying. You know, I mean, there's going to be a lot of those guys that are pissed off. But I think in the grand scheme of things, golf-wise, I think it's going to be good. And in a in a weird way, this was really the only real outcome. Because live was never sustainable. And I knew that. I mean, most people that followed it knew that. But they had so much money being pumped into it that it was gonna last long enough for something like this to happen. and I think I mean Jay Monahan's a known hater and loser and an idiot, but it was kind of, I think it was kind of his only choice because pga was bleeding there's mo. There's multiple rumors that John Rom had a written agreement down for 300 million to go to live, and that forced his hand. I mean, that's one of his top two guys right there. So,
0: yeah, uh, that that did come out. I think not officially, but yeah, Rom had an offer to go, and I think he was going. And then Monaghan's like, "That's enough." And they were they were running out of money. They'd spent somewhere between 50 and 100 million dollars in legal fees fighting this stuff. And they are just like, we're probably right here, but we can't afford to find out.
2: Right. Um, and I think John Rahm sent a slot message because, uh, on Wednesday at the U S open, he played his practice round with two live guys. So I think that was kind of, maybe it was just kind of random or his buddies or whatever, but I, I kind of looked at it as like a little subtle message. Like there you go. But, I think it'll be good, though, and I think it'll be good seeing Brooks Koepka in the Ryder Cup. He absolutely deserves it. If you don't think so, you are also a hater and loser, an idiot. Um, Brooks is still one of the best big-time guys, and if you don't want to see him playing for the U.S., I don't know what to tell you because he's going to give you one of the best chances to win.
0: There's a, uh, if you want to know more about the business side of this, there's a, a podcast. I've never listened to it before. I just stumbled on it. It's called the Joe pomp P O M P show. And it kind of breaks down what the Saudis did with the P I F before they got into golf. I had no idea that they had uh, really made a play for formula one. They offered the company that owns formula one racing, $20 billion, to buy that. And then when that didn't, when they were turned down, that's when they turned their attention to the golf world. So they were basically using all these profits, all of this money they made off of the oil industry to invest in sports, to turn their image around, which is where the term sports washing has come from um, with all of this stuff. So that it was a pretty cool podcast episode to listen to just to know about the financial side of it and why they did what they did. It was basically like we said, and most people have reported it was just a play to get a seat at the table in golf. Um, They really, I mean, the live tour can still go on, but will it is the question. It might in some shape, form or fashion, but um, the PGA tour is still over everything now. Um, But the Saudis have a seat at the table. So that's really all they ever wanted. And their, their goal of, of trying to clean up their image. Um, I don't know if it's working or not. I mean, WWE is holding several events there every year now. Um, there's, I believe some, uh, there's a formula one race there now. Um, obviously they're in the golf world and several other things, but they're, I don't know. It's 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 very odd to me that they're involved. I know why they're trying to get involved, but if you listen to reports and 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 stories, that country's still not really changed a whole lot, their human rights record. But that's what they're trying to wash out of people's eyes with all of these cool events that they have in the in that country. The WWE pay per views they've had there are always really good. And if you look at the crowd and everything, you're like, oh, it's just like America. It's not, it's no. really not, but Hey, it's their country. They should do what they want. We don't need to be getting involved in what they do. If they want to, I'm not even going to talk about it. If they want to hang people. They hang people. That's their business, not ours. Well,
2: uh, piggybacking off that podcast you just talking about, uh, there's a golf podcast called no laying up. Yes. Um,
0: Very good podcast. Uh, yeah, uh,
2: if you're familiar with it, you know, if not, and you're pretty into golf, go listen to them, follow them on Twitter. Uh, it's a great podcast. But the day after everything broke, um, they had a fairly long episode, and they pretty much broke down the business side, but they broke it down on like an intermediate level. Like, it's not like the play guys from Barstool, they're like very beginner, but it's also not super in-depth business type it was very intermediate very easy to follow through but also informal um yeah if if you're interested in that go listen to it you'll learn a lot more about it um but yeah yeah it's wild times
0: wild times we live in here in 2023 thomas um I know we talked a little bit about it earlier um, and football starting, but baseball, one last note on baseball. Um does does any of our big names, I wanted to ask you a question about it. does any of our big names enter the transfer portal? And if so, who? It's kind of a loaded question because I don't think any of them do, but I didn't I know you you're on top of it a little bit more than I am, but does any of our big names enter the transfer portal?
1: I don't think so. The only two that you could see would be tears or dryling, because but tears has already been here two years, and you're, you've got a starting role, to, you know, next year possibly, and dryling too. I don't. I think they will be key factors. So I don't think any other big names go transfer, unless it's to like a like a six year guy that's just wanting to graduate top thing. But I don't know if we have any of those.
0: And I wanted to ask you too, how how what is going on with the St. Louis Cardinals?
2: Why are they so bad?
1: Know. They suck. I don't know. Pitching.
2: They're awful. Uh the Cincinnati Reds are on a
0: hot streak. Hot. And the Cubs are hot. They've won 10 out of 12. Uh the Red Sox are
2: hot, but we're still in last.
0: I was I was looking at the standings earlier this afternoon. I just pulled them up to confirm um the reds have taken over the nl central 40 and 35 they're a game and a half up on milwaukee uh reds have won what 11 in a row Harbin? yeah their last 10 if They're 10, they 10 in a row. The, if
1: they won today yeah if they won today they won 11 straight today. the cubs
0: have won 8 out of 10 10 out of 12 they're 36 and 38 three and a half games out and the cardinals are 13 games under 31 and 44 nine games out Cubs and Cardinals are going over the pond this weekend to play in London. Um, I think they're on Fox at noon on Saturday, and then they're on sun, Sunday night baseball. But in the ESPN morning, in at ten a.m. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. I saw the layout of the stadium. I think it's a soccer stadium. They've kind of converted in. I figured they'd pick like a cricket stadium, or something. I don't know if they have cricket in. In um, I have no idea.
2: I don't know. So the uh. The Boston Red Sox are 39 and 36 and they are a game and a half out of fourth place in the AL East. Um they would be leading the NL Central and they would be a half game back of the NL Central. Um But I think I said it last show. The AL East is going to have 490 win teams this year. It's okay. going to be insane. I mean Toronto Toronto's ten and a half out in fourth place and they're 41 and 35. That's wild. It's un it's unreal. Um every team in the division has a positive run differential. Toronto only has a plus nine. That's kind of interesting.
0: I think at one point, I don't know, I had I deleted the standings, but um The Cubs were the only team in the NL Central to have a plus run differential. Even over the – Red. that may have changed now, but this was just a few days ago. The Cubs were the only team in the NL Central with a plus run differential.
2: So, you'll get a kick out of this. The Cubs are 36 and 38 and have a plus 26 run differential. The St. Louis Cardinals are 31 and 44, but their run differential is only negative 10.
0: You know, I always look at run differential because it kind of – can tell what a how good a team is but in this case sometimes it doesn't i mean the cubs had a positive run differential a lot of last season and they weren't very good
2: that just means the games that they won they beat the snot out of folks and
0: they're playing really good baseball right now I, i don't ever really get to watch them but i see highlights and try to follow them as their games are going on and they're playing pretty good baseball right now but so cincinnati man they're Coach Rimmer was up there today. Him and Big E and and Mamal Janis, she was up there. Great follow on Twitter, by the way, Mamal Janice. I don't know her Twitter handle, but great follow. But well, that's all I got for this week's show. I don't know when we'll be back, Harbin. Um, this is kind of dead period. Uh, there's no Tennessee athletics going on, so we might we might take a little break from the show. We might come back at some point here in the next couple weeks to fill the. Fill the void until football, but for sure we'll be back full-time on a weekly basis in August, hopefully. Um, I know I've got some uh, off weekends here coming up where I'll be out of town over the next couple weekends, so it might be tough for us to record. But um, this might be the end of Season 3 of the podcast. It's hard to believe we've done three three full seasons of this, and we've gone through – started in 2020 in the fall and went through that disaster of a football season and basketball was and was so-so and there was baseball was was pretty good that year in 21 and then this past 21-22 season things got a little bit better on the football gridiron basketball was what it is baseball was outstanding except for the Notre Dame series and then this year was really probably our best athletic season we've had so far since we've been doing this podcast football was outstanding men's and women's basketball uh, baseball and softball was great even the smaller sports were good golf tennis track and field everything i mean tennessee right now athletics department wise is in really good shape but uh it's been fun Getting on here and talking about it these past few months. I think we started back in August last year and uh we've dropped Gavin. I don't know where he's at. I gotta get him back. He comes in and out of my house, Harbin. He has access to my house to work on it, but I never see him. I come home and I know he's been here, but he's gone. He's like a ghost. He's he just I wonder if he knows when I'm coming home. And uh he, he hits the road before I can get to him.
2: Uh, speaking of getting on here in the next few weeks, um, we will be doing, uh, making an executive decision here.
0: I know where you're going.
2: We will be doing a straw planes, invitational preview show.
0: We will. I told, I'm glad you brought that up.
2: Uh, We've had multiple requests for that. Surprisingly. Uh, so, that's what we do. We deliver for the people. Um, probably get I guess some predictions, maybe a couple interviews, perhaps. I don't know. I'm just kind of talking right now.
0: So let let's do this. Let let's say we're probably gonna take the next three weeks off. Okay. Um uh, today is uh June twenty first. Um the Straw Plains Invitational o- Ligma open is uh, July 20th through the 23rd. So sometime between now and then we'll record this episode. We may have to do it, you know, over different times to get people on, to to interview them and things like that. But we will have a preview show for one of the most electric events in sports entertainment on a yearly basis. And it is entertainment.
2: We're, we're going to have to wait until uh Jay Monahan, a.k.a. Ryan Burkhart, And uh, Jimmy Dunn, a.k.a. Chad Grubb, uh, (laughs) divvy up teams.
0: Ryan Monahan and Chad Dunn.
2: Yep. We'll
0: we'll have the executive council meeting um, probably the week of the 10th of July. That's usually when we we get together at a secret location. um, And we uh, put our brains together and pick these teams. And there's rumors swirling that it could be – a Ryder Cup-type layout this year, which we've done one time, but uh, it could be a Ryder Cup thing. We haven't decided yet, but it's what we're looking at.
2: Well, I've heard that this uh, this secret meeting uh, is now going to be extremely ritzy because uh, Chad Grubb has turned heel and accepted some dirty money. So there's going to be a bunch of high-end liquor and real nice – Real nice red meat and whatnot, and y'all are just going kind to of have a little ball. Who who did he accept uh, dirty money from? Uh, it's not confirmed, and I don't like spread rumors, but we all know, we all know. It's just a very, it's just kind of how Chad's always been, man.
0: Well, I'll have to do some digging into that. It's the first I've heard of this rumor of dirty money and Chad Grub.
2: Dirty money, Chad Grub—that's his nickname.
0: Hey, I. I said one time on the uh on the golf trip I'd do anything for a scholarship. <laughs> People haven't let me forget that either. So all right, guys. Well, I appreciate you two coming on. Big Montana was supposedly working. He couldn't make it. Now nah, who knows where Day Day Ball is. He might be eating with Rick again. Um and belittling my character, saying I'm a Southern Miss and LSU fan, which I am not. Neither of those teams. I do watch them from afar, but I'm not a fan of them. I'm Tennessee first and foremost, and that will never change. But um Thomas came on here, gave us some insight into Tennessee baseball. We'll have to have you back. Um hell, he might replace Gavin or Day Day if they don't get off the milk box. But it has been um, over these past few months it's been fun being on here every pretty much every week. We took a week or two off, but um, been fun coming on here talking about the vols and it's even better because we're actually competitive in a lot of these sports now which for decades and years we weren't. So uh, we'll be back. We're gonna rest and recoup Harbin. We'll have a preview show you and I will for the Straw Plains. For the Straw Plains Ligma Open invitational to be contested in uh uh Hartwell, Georgia this year. So on the
2: on the banks of beautiful Lake Hartwell.
0: Yes, beautiful. And we'll probably take uh we'll probably swim in beautiful Lake Hartwell a couple nights and uh should be fun though. I'm excited about it and uh it'll be coming up here in a few weeks, always a fun trip, but Harbin, you and I will get together. Thomas, appreciate you coming on.
1: Glad to be here.
0: And just so you know, I am putting a deposit down on two season tickets for Tennessee baseball. Nice. But I don't know when I'll get them, but I guess when the stadium ever expands in three or four years.
1: Is Josh still doing that table down the –
0: Yeah. um, Yeah, a buddy of mine, Josh Walker. Uh, Some of you all may probably know him. He comes and hangs out at tailgates and – he has put in a deposit there at Lindsey Nelson for one of those tabletops with four tickets. So may end up just sitting over there and I don't know what I would do with mine, but um, this, this last season kind of put me over the edge. I'd been kind of on the fence because sometimes I can't, I don't get to go to a lot of the games just because of my schedule, but I'm tired of not being able to, to not get tickets and not have tickets. And I don't, I just I, I would love baseball I want to watch it in person um so I'm on I'm on the bandwagon I'm getting I may not have him for a while but uh putting the name in the pot Harbin
2: hard up proud of you
0: I'll take you with me maybe maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> oh real quick vintage Chad Grubb he had no idea Tennessee was playing this week uh I'm in a text group with him Kevin Griff and Ryan Burkhardt and myself, and we were texting about the game, and he's like, what are y'all talking about? Y'all make it sound like Tennessee's down 10 to nothing, but he literally did not know that Tennessee was even playing or in the World Series this week. But that's vintage Grub. He just doesn't – that's what I love about him. He just didn't know.
2: <laughs> that's how he is, man.
0: Love it. Love Chad Grub. All right. Appreciate everybody listening. Remember, you can find us anywhere you get your podcast, Apple, Google. uh, I don't know what some of the others are, wherever you get it at. But you also can find us if you want to watch us and see our faces. We're on the YouTube. We'll be on there. So check us out there. Watch our videos. Listen to our podcast. We'll be back very soon. So don't fret. We're not going anywhere. You may not hear any episodes from us for a few weeks, but we will be back. And appreciate everybody listening throughout the season. And get ready for another big football season this fall, but we'll be back soon. And you have been listening to the Section YY8 podcast.